The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's PFTPM, and it's also Chris Sims Unbuttoned, the Joint Mega Picks podcast for Week 8. We do it every Thursday, Christopher. We just wrapped up PFT Live a little while ago, but I always get a nice shot of adrenaline when it's time to sit down and make our picks straight up against the spread and best bets. And I'm driving the bus oh, this baby. week by a narrow margin. Wafar thin. I won last week. Here we go. Straight up. I was 11 and 3, but you were 12 and 2. Well done, Christopher. Against the spread, I was 7, 6, and 1. You were 6, 7, and 1. And I got the edge. Best bets. One, one and one, and you were one and two. I would have been two and one if the Browns kicker would have made the damn extra point and the Browns would have won by four and covered the spread. Thanks for nothing, oh, man, Browns. That hurts. Now, look at this, though. Let me just say this. I know we got a lot to do and not a whole lot of time to do it in. You were 12 and two straight up. Yeah. And one and two in your best bets. I think we need to call your best bets something other than your best bets because it's clearly not your best work. Well, it's not. And as I've said to you during the week, uh, my nickname is not Johnny the Shark, Johnny Vegas, or anything like that. But I think the rest of it would say, listen to my football info. I'm not always the best picker of the best bets, okay? There might be better people who understand what, how to bet and do all that. But one thing I do know is I know freaking football. So I might be able to at least steer you in the right direction, and we'll see where we go from yeah. there. Your nickname is Johnny Straight Up. <laughs> Johnny Straight Up, one that's of the right. <laughs> best lines from the 1985 classic Weird Science where the guy asks for scotch, and the bartender says, on the rocks, and he says, give me the whole bottle, and he says, I tell you what, you bend over, and I'll shove it straight up your, and let's move on to the first game. Thursday Night Football. <laughs> Weird Science. Atlanta at Carolina. Oh, that's right. Very well done. Danny Elfman. Uh, excellent, excellent movie underrated holds up well Agreed. check it out when you get a chance yep. but, but watch us for the rest of of this hour okay thursday night football falcons at panthers bingo! carolina to what's the bingo what was the bingo what i'll just <laughs> shut up shut up go old pop culture reference by mike falcons at, falcons at panthers two-point favorite are the Carolina Panthers, Chris, who you got and why? Well, I'm going to go with the Carolina Panthers in the football game. I don't necessarily feel really, really comfortable about it. I'll say that. I mean, again, they played just a few weeks ago. It was a close football game, certainly. But I think Carolina showed they're the better team on the field. But I do worry, listen, at the aspect of Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, you know, Calvin Ridley, who I believe is healthy, right, uh, might be questionable or something like that. They're going to move the ball. They're going to make some plays on the offensive side of the ball. And the defense for the Falcons has not been as bad as of late. All right? It's still not good. Definitely not. But I'm going to go with the Panthers because, one, they do a good job of not letting up big pass plays in the pass game. Run defense is their issue, and the Falcons are not a great running football team. And then I think the other thing I'll just say is with the Falcons on defense versus that Panthers offense, that Panthers offense got weapons. They can throw it deep. 
They can kind of dissect you with the short passing game too. And I just think the Panthers are a slightly, you know, a, a, not a, sli- a slightly better football team than the Falcons. Yeah, I don't think it's a huge margin, but I think they're a better football team. Calvin Ridley's not on the injury report at all. So okay, I don't know good. I don't know what I was Julio thinking. Jones was limited in practice Monday, Tuesday with a hip. Uh, but but the only guy yeah, with any designation for the Falcons is Tack McKinley, who's out with the groin, and they're looking at trading Trade him, him anyway. anyway. Okay, so. uh, I look. I I hope it's an exciting game. I hope it's a close game. I hope it's a fun game. Last Thursday night's game, even though it involved a couple of not fun teams, was a fun game to watch. It was. I I've got I've got the Panthers, thirty to twenty seven. I could see the Falcons building a lead. I could see the Falcons failing to hold the lead, and I could see Teddy Bridgewater and company finding a way to win the game, maybe a late field goal, maybe a little overtime. Who knows? But I like the Panthers 30-27, to 27, which has them obviously covering the spread by one point. And it's odd that they're a two-point favorite because that means on a neutral site the Falcons would be a one-point favorite. I don't know that I go along with that. So that's why I like the Panthers in this one. Let's get to Sunday, and let's start with the game of the day, the Steelers at the Ravens, Baltimore. A three and a half point favorite over Pittsburgh, Chris. Who you got? Well, this is this is a tough one. I mean, I've, I've, I'm not you know full transparency. I've gone back and forth with this one over the last 24 hours. You know, I, there, there's a lot of ways to look at the football game. Of course, hey, the Ravens, their offense versus this great Steelers defense, everything they have to offer. That's the marquee matchup. We know that, but I also think you know how does this Pittsburgh offense match up with this Baltimore Ravens defense? You know, I can't imagine Pittsburgh being able to run the ball all that effectively on the Baltimore Ravens. Also, Baltimore secondary, or at least their corner play, is arguably the best in football. I mean, with those two there, to where they're aggressive. I think they're going to give the Steelers short passing game, which they really rely on to help their running game. I think they're going to give it issues. And I think the one thing I kind of came back to more than not, and not that I expect this game to be pretty, but, you know, oddly enough, I trust Lamar Jackson in Baltimore not to turn the ball over more than I do Big Ben and the Steelers uh, from that standpoint. And that's what I'm going to boil it down to, basically. I think we're going to see an ugly defensive struggle. You know, I don't expect to see highlight runs from Lamar Jackson and all of a sudden these big-time plays. Uh but at the same time, I think Steelers' offense will struggle as well. And I'm going to say that the Ravens cause some sort of deflection, interception on a short wide receiver pass or screen to give them just enough of an edge to go 20-17. to 17. Ravens off the bye week. They know how big of it a game is. Maybe Pittsburgh's feeling themselves a little being the only undefeated team in football. I'm going to go with the Ravens. Yeah, and look, I, I see it similarly to you. Yeah. But at the end of the day... I've learned the hard way not to doubt the Steelers. I learned it two weeks ago in the Browns game, and then I rode the Steelers bus last week, and it paid off for me. I am not getting off the bus now. This looks like, for a normal team in a normal year, this looks like a game the Steelers should lose, right? They're 6-0. At some point, the bubble has to burst. They're going to Baltimore. It's the toughest game left on their schedule. Frankly, don't take my word for it. Go look at their schedule. This is the toughest one left. Everything lines up to the Ravens winning. Two weeks to get ready for the game. Steelers at some point. It's inevitable. They're, they're, they're going to get out. No. I, look, this team, I think, each week is gaining more and more confidence. This is the most balanced Steelers team that we have seen in decades, not just years, but in decades. To have a strong offense and a strong defense at the same time, 
Lamar Jackson, as we pointed out during PFT Live, has only faced Pittsburgh once in his career as a starting quarterback, had a cameo appearance during his rookie year. I think they're going to come after him. Yeah. They're going to, they, when he runs the ball, they're going to treat him like a running back, like yeah. they did with Carson Wentz, like they do with any. Look at Ryan Tannehill. He got blown up, sir, last week by Vince Williams when he dared to cross the line of scrimmage with the ball. Steelers take pride in that. Last year, when they played in Pittsburgh, first game of the year, not first week of the year, but the first time they played each other, Steelers lost barely in overtime without Big Ben. Even though it's in Baltimore, I like the Steelers in this one, 27-24, to 24, which means obviously they cover since they're the underdogs, but I like them winning straight up as well, Chris. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see the game going your way too. I don't. I have no feel for this. Well, this, this will not be a best bet for me. I don't. Not that I don't have a feel for it. It's just that I think they're very evenly matched. It's It's – you know, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Hey, you want to know here something really more important? I think I found a new – I think I got a new song to my repertoire as far as quarterbacks are concerned. It kind of just hit me out of nowhere. I don't know why last night I saw something on TV about Big Ben over in London, right? And I was like, damn, Big Ben, well, what kind of noise does that make? So I got my new Big Ben song now to go with it. It's the song, sound of the bell. I mean, it's really – it fits perfectly. I don't know where I, why I dropped the ball on that one. You ever hear the Big so Ben bell? It? It's that one. So what's the so song? Big the Ben, song. Big Ben, Big Ben, Big Ben. <laughs> you like that? Okay. Deep, uh, deep. No. That's a good one. No. I'm, I'm riding it's with actually, that one. It's not bad. <laughs> it's, it's kind of middle of the pack for you, which uh, isn't saying much because uh, some of them I, I wonder about. But when you hear it enough, it's like any other song. You hear it enough. I'll give them, I'm going to make it catchy. Head. That's right. <laughs> All right. Another great game at 1 o'clock Sunday. New England at Buffalo for the first of two times this year. I'm going to go first on this one. You've talked me into it. You, I don't know if you've tried to do it subliminally or not, but I'm not ready to give up on the Patriots either. They're the Terminator. They're not dead until they're melted down and the liquid is dispersed on five different continents. The Patriots, as you've said correctly, can run the ball and stop the run. The Bills can't run the ball or stop the run. It puts pressure on Josh Allen, who I think is doubting himself, through two losses and the inability to dominate the Jets this past weekend. Stephon Diggs is starting to show some signs of frustration. You put Stephon on Stephon. Maybe the Bills version of Stephon gets a little upset, you know, acts out a little bit. Maybe things go off the rails for the Bills. I'm taking the Patriots. 23-20, the upset. Isn't it weird to call it an upset? Patriots over the Bills, Chris. Yeah, uh, Mike, I'm joining you. You know, this is why I don't like doing the show with you all week because when it comes to our picks and things like that, yeah, we bounce ideas off of each other and we talk about football so much that you start to go, well, damn, that actually, wait, that's a good point, you know, Florio made, and you you, you skew my decisions too. Um, and I'm, yes, I'm going to go with the Patriots as well, 20 to 17. Desperation, certainly. You know, got to think pissed off, certainly. Bills have hit a little lull offensively. And then, you know, it's a perfect matchup. Again, the NFL is a game and a league of matchups, and you explained it perfectly. You know, the, the Bills are all about passing the football. The Patriots are all about pass defense. I mean, they can stop anybody. You saw what they did to Mahomes and company. So they can slow them down, let alone Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator for the Bills, is from New England. So I think... That would be advantage Bill and company and the Belichicks uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And then the Bills with their struggles stopping the run, you know, again, I think New England can run the ball and push just about anybody around up front. As long as they don't let the game get away from them and this stays close, I think that all favors New England all the way. And I'm going to go with them as well, 20-17. to 17.
All right, we agree on that one. I think we're going to agree on the next one, too. The Tennessee Titans coming off of their first loss of the season, but encouraging. They were down 27-7. to They made it a game. Steven Goskowski missed the potential game-tying field goal. They're at Cincinnati, which had the game won against the Browns. This feels like one of those one loss can turn into two losses because the Bengals may be thinking about what might have been last week. And it's the Titans. I'm stunned by this line. Yeah. Titans minus five and a half. Who you got and why? Well, I'm stunned by it too. I'm going to pick the Titans to win 34-24. But I think I can understand why the line's this way. The line is this way because Joe freaking Burrow is really freaking good. And they can throw the ball on just about anybody. So, and the Titans... Get everybody throws it on them for the most part. You can move the ball on them. So I think that's probably what skews the line there. Now, what's scary to me too is, you know, what, what I think though, again, Tennessee going to be playing a team that, you know, Cincinnati can't run the ball all that well. So I think that favors Tennessee because now they're not going to have to worry about that. They'll be able to put their eggs into a little bit more the stop the pass game basket. We don't have to worry about balance and things like that. And then the other thing I really just worry about overall is the Bengals getting steamrolled on defense. You know, they are not a good, they're not a good defense really in, in any category, let alone run defense, lack of big people there. And that, to me, is when Tennessee is really dangerous, when it's just, oh, Derrick Henry for seven, play action from Ryan Tannehill for 27. And it's back and forth and back and forth. And I'm going to go with the Titans 34-24 in this one. Yeah, you know, I've got the similar thought you do. I see a suffocation coming from Tennessee. The line is too small, I believe, which suggests it's in the running for a best bet for me this week. But I've got 27-20. I did have 27-13 when I sat down. But Joe Burrow is worth another seven points. Yeah, right. I'll I'll give it within a touchdown. Yeah. But but I I look in Cincinnati, the Carlos Dunlop trade happened, and even though as a practical matter, trades need to happen today for guys to be available week nine. The players may not be thinking that. The players are thinking the trade deadline's Tuesday. You may have some Bengals thinking, maybe I'm going to get out of here. You may have some business decisions that get made. You may have some guys that aren't happy with what happened with Dunlap. There's just this weird sense of dysfunction that I think could, in combination with the fact that the Titans are going to be pissed off and salty, and they're going to want to prove that last week was a fluke and that they are good enough to go on the road and beat a team like the Bengals. I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. They're only five and a half point favorites. 27-20 is my pick for that one. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. All right, another great, you know, some sneaky great games. Yes, there is. The Raiders at the Browns. And on the remaining schedule for the Cleveland Browns, there are three games they definitely should lose, five games they should win, and then there's this one. Yeah. The Raiders. I can't get a feel for what is going to happen. This one I've gone back and forth on as well. Raiders are two-and-a-half-point underdogs at Cleveland. Chris, who you got? Yeah, this is uh, – it is. It's a back-and-forth one here for me. Um, I'm going to go with the Raiders, and, of course, I'll explain ultimately what led, led me to this. Raiders are desperate. I mean, this is a really big football game for them, you know, to where it, it's like you lose this, wow, you're going to really have to start depending on some other people down the stretch probably to lose some games and things like that. To where, yeah, they could really lose their handle on being one of those teams for the seventh seed in the playoffs. So that is the first thing that jumps out to me. All right, I think the next thing I'll say is this. The Browns' defense versus the Raiders' offense. Hey, the Browns have a good front four. We know that. There's no doubt about it. But the, the, the Raiders have a really good offensive line. And they got to practice this week. So I think that takes away the Miles Garrett pass rush and all of that like advantage the Browns' defense has. And they have to worry about that run game of the Raiders, which is real. So from that, that takes a big advantage. And then other than that front four of Cleveland, the rest of the defense is not very good. And I think that, you know, it's pretty predictable scheme-wise. Gruden, some of the weapons they got, his creativity, their offensive line, I think they're going to move the ball on this Browns offense. Now, the uh, Browns defense, excuse me. Now, the Browns offense versus the Raiders defense, I worry about the Raiders defense too. But I'm going to give them the, a, a little hope from this angle. The Browns' offense is not very intricate and really creative pass-wise, right? And the Raiders can play coverage. They can play man-to-man and lock you down. Now there's no Odell to worry about. I just think, hey, they're tough. They're not the greatest front seven, but they're tough. And I think because they'll feel comfortable covering on the outside, they'll make the run game uncomfortable for Cleveland. And that's why I'm ultimately going to go with the Raiders with the upset here, 28-24. Yeah, look, I agree with you on the 24 for the Browns. I'm taking eight points away, though, from the Raiders. I've got 24-20 Cleveland winning this game. I just believe in Cleveland. And I think that they know how to compete with non-elite teams. And I think they'll be fine without Odo Beckham Jr. I don't agree with Baker Mayfield's assessment that it's disrespectful to talk about whether or not the team is better without him. He's been such a focal point of that team ever since he was surprisingly traded to the Browns in March of 2019. He sucks the oxygen out of the room. He wants the football. Everyone wants him to get the football. It's been a burden on Baker Mayfield. Whatever snapped last week for Baker Mayfield after he started 0-5 and looked like he should be yanked for Case Keenum, 22 of 23. I think that continues into this week. I think there's going to be a freedom in his ability to play quarterback, throw the ball to the open guy. Donovan Peoples-Jones makes the touchdown catch last week. Yep. And a point you made all week on PFT Live, I think that offensive line of Cleveland is good enough to create the running lanes. And when the run is there, it's a lot like the Vikings offense yes, that is. Kevin Stefanski came from. If right. the run's there, the pass is there. If the run's not there, 
Baker Mayfield gets gobbled up. So I think they're going to be able to do enough. It reminds me of that Colts game where we were kind of like, yeah, the Browns are winning games, but it's the Colts. We were like, hey, you know, they beat the Colts. I mean, what the hell's going on here? I have a feeling it's going to be a little of that. What the hell's going on here? And the Raiders, even though I agree with you, they're at that desperation mode. I think they had their souls ripped out last week by Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And I think that we're we're maybe starting to see with all the stuff that's gone on with COVID and, and just that yeah. stupid false bravado by John Gruden. I think they're maybe teetering on the edge of having it fall apart. Yeah, I, I, I think it could go either way. It could go, wait, let's rebound. You know, we weren't at our best last week. Or, yes, like we're demoralized. We kind of got steamrolled by a, a superior football team and maybe we're not what we thought. You know, I, I honestly thought, too, and there was a part of me, you know, that thought about making this a high-scoring game. I could see this becoming a shootout. I could with the way, you know, both teams and, you know, we hit on all the angles. But I wouldn't be shocked if we sat here and it was like a 38-34 type of game, too. Uh, but either way, it's exciting. I'm glad to see it. It's important since the Raiders and the Browns, it's cool when they're, when they're good in the AFC. Got an old-school feel to right. it. Reminds me of a playoff game back in 1980, I think it was. It was. When the Browns, one of the rare years, they were pretty good. The Raiders went in there. Late interception thrown by Brian Seip, I believe, in the end zone, and the Raiders won. This time, the Browns get their revenge 40 years later. <laughs> All right, Colts going to Detroit, taking on that that pass rush that's been beefed up by the acquisition of Miles Garrett. I mean, Everson Griffin, well, he won't play until next week. Miles Griffin won't ever play for the Lions. That's a PFT Live reference if you didn't see the show earlier. A more timely reference than Weird Science. Colts, two-and-a-half-point favorites at the Lions, surprisingly three-and-three. Chris, who you got? Yeah, this is – I'm going to go with the Colts. I am. I think they're the more well-rounded, better football team. I do. And I think the biggest reason I'll go with the Colts, yes, I think their defense is good. Still one of the better defenses in football. Matt Stafford and company, though, that offense, I mean, they're going to make some plays. You're not just going to shut them out. You're not. But, again, I don't know if that offense is consistently dominant and good enough for in a week like this where the Lions' defense is okay, but where I really worry about the Lions is, you know, some of their run defense. That That's where I really look at it and go, ooh. And, uh, man, the Colts – Again, with enough weapons on the outside and a pass game where Patricia's going to have to worry about that, you know, you can't put all your eggs into the stop-the-run game basket. I, I really think ultimately that's going to be an issue for the Lions in this football game is them getting pushed around up front in the run, in the run game. And I just don't know if the Lions' offense is diverse enough to attack a really, really good Colts defense. I, I think they keep it close, and it's an interesting game, but I'm going to go Colts 27-20. I've got 24-17 Colts. I had a flashback, though, to last year when Phillip Rivers and the Chargers went to Detroit and lost. And Rivers was 21 for 36, 293, and an interception passer rating of 73. I almost changed my mind there. But Colts had two weeks to get ready. I think that counts for something in today's NFL, especially with no offseason program. And it feels like everybody's trying to catch up. Giving a team two weeks to prepare is huge. I haven't seen the cumulative record of teams coming out of bye weeks this year, but I just think I've, I've had that thought, and generally speaking, it, it seems to bear fruit that when you have that extra time to prepare, especially when you're already the better team, you should be able to turn that into something. Yep. Didn't work for the Seahawks last Sunday night against the Cardinals, but other than that, I like that vibe. Uh, Jonathan Taylor has been not spectacular, but good enough for the Colts ever since Marlon Mack was That's injured. Right. I, I just, I, you know, The Colts got to make their move. They, they, they were lucky last week. It was the perfect bye week. All of the other three teams in their division lost. This is their chance to get a win, to get to 5-2, and two, and to 
further cement their status as contenders in the AFC. So I like the Colts in this one. 24-17. to 17. Sorry, Lions. The Lions aren't done yet, but uh, they're not going to be victorious on Sunday. Next up, Vikings at the Packers, a rematch of week one when the Packers shredded the Vikings in uh, U.S. Bank Stadium with no fans there to disrupt the Green Bay offense. Now they're at Lambeau Field with no fans. Do you see a different outcome this time around, Chris? I don't. I mean, it is, oh, Aaron Rodgers, first Mike Florio's Kirk Cousins. Sorry. <laughs> I know. I know you're off the bandwagon. You're not a Vikings fan anymore. You're fully. It's it's a divorce. But I, I, I of course, I'm going with the Packers. You know, there's one formula I always follow with Aaron Rodgers. You know, first off, the Vikings defense, they're not very good against the run. They're not very good against the pass. That's deadly against, of course, Aaron Rodgers and a team that's somewhat balanced. Yeah, maybe pass heavy, but the run game's still pretty good. And then the other thing I'll always go back to. So when you have that issue and then you don't have a pass rush to stand on, this that's it's Aaron Rodgers' time all day long. This is when he can – you could give him – you and me at receiver, and he's going to win this football game. He can take over in these type of games because it's just, oh, they're playing run defense, I'll get to the pass. Oh, they're playing pass defense, I'll get to the run. Oh, nobody's open. Oh, they, Mike Zimmer won this play. doesn't matter. Nobody's near me. I'll dance around and do a cartwheel and then throw a sidearm laser for 40 yards. He becomes unstoppable versus uh, games like this to where I just can't yeah, any way – See the Vikings win the game. I'm going to go Packers 31-21. I do think Kirk Cousins and them will run the ball and have a few plays, but ultimately I just think the offense attack for the Packers is too much. Kirk Cousins with the Vikings has been okay at Lambeau Field. They yeah. had a 29-29 tie week two in 2018 where Kirk Cousins threw that dumb interception. It got through. Oh, no, that no, was the a dumb touchdown. interception was last year. You're right. Sorry. At 2018, it was that how in the world did he thread that needle yeah. Thielen and then last year, the Vikings driving for the win after falling behind 21 nothing or something like that. Right. And it was the stupid interception in the end zone. But the Vikings just don't have enough on either side of the ball this year. They, they've, uh, they, they've traded away Yannick Ngakwe. Daniel Hunter won't be back this year. I just feel like this team, uh, you know, maybe they'll get a few wins later. They're not going to get one at Lambeau Field. Not against a Packers team that is trying to hold on for that number one seed. They're in the running for it at 5-1, and one, and uh, they need this win, and they'll get it 34-17. to I'm surprised the spread's only seven points. I think the gap between these two teams is more significant than seven. I points. think what's got to scare them is the Vikings' run game. I think that's what's got to scare, like, Vegas a little bit. They probably look at it and go, wait, the Vikings might be able to be uh, – you know, run the ball, keep Rodgers on the sideline type of thing maybe to where that works out that way. I don't think that'll happen, but I think that is probably the one scary aspect if the Vikings were to keep it close or maybe even pull off some type of upset. And, and here's the other thing, too. If Devontae Adams is ripping up the Vikings this time, I'd like to think they'll try to double him. The problem is, who do they have to double him with? Okay, yeah. Jets-Chiefs, 19.5 points spread. 19 and a half point spread. Who you got? Sometimes uh, when there's this a. This would be the all time New York Jets pick. It, 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 the upset, but I have a feeling you're taking the Chiefs. I mean, do they cover or not? Yeah. I mean, I'm taking the Chiefs and I'm taking the cover. Sometimes when you just, you know, you got a big wave coming in, you just got to ride the wave and go, damn, I don't know. It's big, but I'll take it. It sounds good. I don't give a damn. It's 19 points. The Jets stink. The Chiefs have a defense that can shut you out, especially in offense like the Jets. That's. Not schematically creative, has no talent anywhere. 
And then I think Greg Williams, and that might be a little bit of a pain in the butt for the Chiefs offense for a little while. But, I mean, it's only a matter of time before the dam breaks there. I think it would just be a slow, ugly, dominant win. I went 27-6, to Chiefs, to be nice. I mean, I don't know. I could see a 27-3, 34-3, whatever. I just I think the Chiefs win and win easily. I got 38-17. Same idea, though. We both have them covering. All right, last game in the 1 o'clock Eastern time slot on Sunday. The L.A. Rams at the Miami Dolphins. Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Lefty getting his first start, and oh, by the way, the video you sent to us earlier as you were grabbing some Food. some coverage off of ESPN, Yeah, last left-handed quarterback to win their first start in the NFL was Christopher Sims in 2003. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? I mean, that is unreal. It really is. That's some stat. And I don't mean I don't give a damn it's me or anything. It's just the, it's amazing that how few lefties have had a start. And the fact that nobody's won in 16 years and their first start as a lefty, that's uh, it's insane. So we'll see where this goes. So who you got in this one? Does well, Tua match what you did in 2003? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be tough for Tua to live up to that. I mean, come on. I was carving up the Saints that day. I actually ended up getting hurt that day and having a uh, – I, I hurt my shoulder. Um, yes, so that was fun. All right, but I think this is going to be a close football game. I can't pick Miami and Tua in his first start ever. I just can't. You know, the Rams' defense is damn good. They don't give you anything easy. So because of that, I just can't go with the Dolphins, and I think their offense will struggle moving the ball consistently all day long. Now, I do think the Dolphins' defense will hang in there versus this Rams' offense. I think Flores has the right personnel, and – scheme to slow down McVay's tricks and everything he does that way and they'll make life hard on them just like the Bears did last week but I just think ultimately still the Rams are the better more complete football team they'll win a tough hard fought game I'm gonna say 24 to 16 Dolphins I mean Rams excuse I got me 24 16 I got the same same margin eight points for the Rams 28 20 I agree with everything you said even though the Rams should we be concerned about that? Traveling cross-country on a short week, does that matter at all? Well, it, it does. It does matter. Um, but, you know, other than one game in the McVay era, I've never seen them not show up for a game and be ready to play ball. The Ravens last year on that, what was that, a Monday night game? Monday night. It's the horrible. only game ever. I've never – I saw the Rams go, wait, they're not going to, like, keep this close? Like, what? Like, that doesn't happen. So I would be shocked. They have the type of coach and players and alphas on that team to where they always show up. All right, that's it for the 1 o'clock games and the Thursday night game. Let's take a break. When we return, the 4 o'clock late afternoon starts for week 8 of the 2020 season. It's the Joint Mega Picks podcast, PFTPM. Chris Sims unbuttoned. We'll be back with that right after this. There's your daily lineup, NBC Sports Channel on Peacock. It begins with PFT Live, then the Dan Patrick Show, Rich Eisen, brother from another PFTPM. Safety Blitz on Mondays from 6 to 7 Eastern, and Chris Sims on button Tuesdays through Fridays, 6 to 7. And you get on the board twice. I strenuously object. I got another slot there. Where's my picture the second time? Well, I don't I know. I object. Well, I my, hey, my second picture, I don't necessarily love it. So they want to put my uh, Chris Sims on Button logo there, just like your PFTPM. I'll be perfectly happy. 
That was a long time ago. Shaggy haircut. I don't like that look. I like this look. I'm going to get this freshened up uh, tomorrow. I got to get it done. I want, the, tight. I want the Roger Goodell evil twin photo <laughs> of you on that board somewhere. <laughs> okay. Uh, and this is where we point out that all odds in this program are provided by PointsBet Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of NBC Sports. 4 p.m. Eastern games. Let's get to it. Chargers minus three at Denver with an over-under of 44 and a half. Chris, the Chargers won by 10 last week over the Jaguars. The Broncos look like crap against the Chiefs. Who you got? You know what? I'm going with Denver. I am. Uh, wow. I, I know. I think it's, again, though, a matchup that fits them. I do. You know, I called this Broncos defense average a few weeks ago. They kind of crapped on me on social media when they beat the Patriots. You know, they played good that day. I get it. They played good last week against Mahomes and company. You know, it was the other aspects of the football team that really struggled, and the Chiefs got ballers all over the field. But I look at it like this. The Chargers are a big play football team. They can't run the ball. They don't really have a short to intermediate pass game. It's Herbert making unreal throws. I just don't think Vic Fangio is going to give those type of opportunities. The Broncos pretty play will play it pretty conservative on the back end. You know, to where you're not going to get a lot of deep shots down the field and do those type of things. And because the Chargers can't run the ball, I just think that favors the, the Broncos even more to go, wait, why do we want to crowd the line of scrimmage and give this guy who might be the best deep ball thrower in football already a chance to do that? And on the other side, too, you know, the Broncos offense, certainly nothing great, but neither is this Chargers defense. And, you know, last week I know it was struggle. But two weeks ago against the Patriots, the stats aren't going to say great things, but Drew Locke made a lot of big-time throws. And we're seeing you can move the ball on this Chargers defense. You know, the Jaguars did it last week. So I'm going to say the Broncos find a way to win this game kind of ugly, ugly, 23-20. That's gutsy because, look, I – and, yes, they beat the Patriots. Uh, yeah. I just think the Chargers are so much better than their record suggests, and I think that's influencing the line here at only minus three. I think the Chargers are capable of winning games by seven to ten points or more, and I think as Justin Herbert gets more and more comfortable, and yes, it was the Jaguars last week, but I feel like he's reaching a higher level of performance. He is. I feel like the Chargers are gaining confidence, and they recognize. They start stringing some wins together. Maybe that seven seed is there to be had. Maybe the six seed is there to be had. They're the second best team in that division, even though the Raiders have the better record for now. I like the Chargers in this one. I like the Chargers to win by a touchdown. I've got 30 to 23. I think Justin Herbert continues that ascension, and there are going to continue to be questions about whether or not Drew Locke really is the guy for the Denver Broncos. There was the criticism by Vic Fangio a couple of weeks ago after the win over the Patriots. Can't be throwing the ball up there and hoping for the best. Right. There were questions after the Chiefs game about the status of the passing attack for the Denver Broncos. I think there'll be even more questions. I just like where the Chargers are right now. And uh, I, I look, and, and maybe maybe it's my my infatuation with Justin Herbert. I understand that. And this that. idea that the Chargers are better than the record suggests. I just think this is an opportunity for them to to go out and kind of kind of get some balance back into where their where their record should be in light of where they are as a team. Mike, to your point with Herber and everything you said, it, it's right on. And I would feel better about the Chargers if they would just go and let Herbert go. Let it go like Joe Burrow and the Bengals. You know, they're still trying to, like, run this balanced offense and we're going to run on first and run on second and get no yards 
and then make it harder on our quarterback, even though our plan was to make it easier. It's not going to change, Los Angeles Chargers. You can't run the ball. Your O-line stinks. Give it up. Play through the pass-first option. That's why they go through these dull moments in the game where you go, whoa, they're winning. Whoa, they let them come back. Whoa, they're winning again because they go through these ebbs and flows of like, oh, we got a 10-point lead. Let's run the ball and control the clock. You're not capable. You're not capable. Look at your damn team. The best thing you got is that quarterback that Florio just talked about. Throw it every freaking play. Then maybe the run game will open up. That's where I don't trust them. I think they'll play into the Broncos' hand and still to be balanced and do that. And Fangio will just kick the crap out of him. That's where I don't trust it, but I love Herbert. By the way, one week after there was a snow game in Denver, the high 57 and sunshine. Crazy. Indicative of how crazy things can get in Denver when it comes to the weather. So the Chargers won't have to worry about anything like that this week. Next up, Saints, minus four and a half at the Bears, over under 43.5. Chris, who you got? Well, I'm picking, I'm picking the Saints. You know, the Bears' defense is scary. There's no doubt. I don't think that any way the Bears can win this game, though, unless the defense scores touchdowns or at least sets the, the Bears' offense with some short fields off of turnovers. I just don't see any other way. I don't. You know, and again, I have a hard time believing that the Saints – will do those type of things and make those mistakes. They're balanced. They have a very good offensive line. They will not be overpowered by that Bears front seven. You know, it's mainly a lot of zone coverages with with the Chicago Bears. Peyton Manning and – I mean Peyton Manning. Sean Payton and Drew Brees can pick apart zones better than anybody in the history of football. So I look at that. And then I still go over to the Saints defense, all right? Saints defense is good. They mess up three or four plays every game to let up big plays. You know, even statistically, it doesn't make sense. They're their seventh best defense in football as yards are concerned, but they're letting up 29 points per game because it's always a big play. Well, if there's one team that can't make a big play, it's the Chicago Bears, okay? So I don't expect that to happen in this game. I think that the Saints are going to suffocate the Bears in this. It'll be death slowly, 24-13 Saints. Oh, my gosh. Now, that, that's not – I mean, it's not Scorigami-type score, but that's the exact same score I have. Is that right? 13. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, okay. 13. Yeah, that's wow. – I mean, it's it's not – that's it, crazy that we picked that type of score for this game. But, yeah. all right, so you see it kind of unfolding the same way. Exactly the same way. And and maybe I'm being charitable in letting the Bears score 13 points. Maybe the seven comes from the defense again and the six comes from the offense. And that drove Matt Nagy crazy. Last week, I just feel like the, the Bears are caught in this vortex where they can't figure out their offense. The offensive line's bad. What do you do? It's what Nagy said after the game Monday night. It's not like you can say, get rid of this guy, get rid of that guy. Who are you going to replace him with? Right. What can you do to make a, a bad offensive line better on the fly? So you coach him up. You try to figure it. But here's the problem. You know, at some positions, you can say, we're only going to do the things that the guy does well. Offensive line, the flaws are obvious. Yeah. And the opposing defense is going to exploit them through film study, Chris. So it's not like you're going to get better. No, exactly right. And the coach does nothing creatively to give the offensive line ever any advantage. The Bears run. They have three run plays in their offense. It's, it's, it's as simple as it gets. So, yeah, for guys like Dennis Allen and Sean Payton, when they look at the Bears offense, they're going to be able to break it down in four seconds. Last year they played each other. I know last year was last year. But – the Bears couldn't piss a drop against the Saints defense. That game was 36-10, to 10, and it was over-over with Teddy Bridgewater. The Bears got two late touchdowns. I just think that, to me, that's stuck in my mind, too, as a point of, like, 
oh, wait, no, the Saints know this offense. They know how to shut it down, and I have a hard time thinking the Bears are going to make a whole lot happen. And on that note, we'll see if the 49ers and the Seahawks either can piss a drop defensively. That's a new one for me from you. But uh, <laughs> since you said it, I'll say it. Seahawks, three-point favorites. couple of great games last year, a classic Monday nighter, a classic Sunday nighter to end the regular season. This year, the Seahawks, the better record, the 49ers coming on. How do you see it playing out? Yeah, this is a – man, I don't know what to go with this one. Oh, that's – that's anytime it's your guy Kyle Shanahan and you start like that, that tells me you're thinking about picking against him. I, I, I have. I've been thinking about picking against him. You know, I feel a little bit like the Ravens Steelers in this one where the last like 30 hours I've kind of gone back and forth both ways. I'm going to go with the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to go with my guy Kyle Shanahan. I am. First off, he's on fire right now. I mean, really on fire with what he's calling in the game as far as pass game, run game, screens. I mean, it couldn't be easier for a quarterback to play for him right now. Like, literally, like I, I think you and me could go there and they'd, we'd put up good stats because all we'd be asked to do is make, like, three throws a game and then everything else is screens and speed sweeps and everything like that. Seahawks defense we know is not good. You know, I am worried about the injuries of running back a little bit. I am. And Debo Samuel not being there. But I think the fact that the Seahawks defense is still just so bad and not good in either area really – to where I just I have a hard time thinking Shanahan won't be able to expose them to a degree. I really do. Run game, pass game, whatever it may be. And then the 49ers defense, I think, has got it back. And I'm going to go with them to make life hard on Russell Wilson. And I can't believe it, but I, I'm going to take this 49ers and an upset, 27-24. I am. I don't feel good about it. It ain't going to be my best bet. But this is one I'm just going with my gut, and I'm going to go with my buddy and his offensive genius. Yeah, look, the Seahawks are at home, and yeah, they're not going to have the 12th man there, but they need this one after losing to the Cardinals. They need to find a way to right the ship. They're going against a defense not nearly as good as it was last year. I mean, that's what I'm looking at. Yes, the Seahawks' defense yeah. isn't as good as it's been in recent years, but the 49ers' defense, with all those injuries, I think that Russell Wilson will be determined to find a way to rectify what went wrong last week for him against the Cardinals. More use of DK Metcalf. As you said earlier down PFT Live, Wilson's going to look at the film and he's going to say, what the hell was I thinking? Yeah. We're going to see a lot of DK Metcalf. Maybe we're going to see a lot of Tyler Lockett. And I, I think it's going to make a difference. Now, Carlos Dunlap won't be available. He won't get through the COVID protocol, so it's not going to beef up the Seahawks defense. So that's why I see it as a high-scoring game. 34-30, Seahawks win. Um, and, and, and look, I'm as confident as that as I was about the Seahawks winning last Sunday night well, and they ended up not winning, but yeah. it was a fluky game that they should have won. It, 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 that's the problem with the Seahawks is just, you feel every game is going to come down to the end and you know, fluky endings could be something that they have to see every now and then because man, when you're just playing a game to come down to the last two or three plays always, you know, it's just, it's, it's hard for it to always work out in your favor in the NFL. So yeah, interesting matchup. Certainly big-time playoff implications in this one uh, for that one. Yeah. Quick break. When we return to Sunday and Monday primetime games from Ben DiNucci to Tom Brady. We'll talk about those next here on PFTPM and Chris Simpson. All right, primetime week eight for the PFTPM Chris Simpson Unbuttoned Joint Mega Picks podcast. Two games left. Both have fairly large spreads, but both are 
to me, intriguing games. Let's start Sunday Night Football. Dallas at Philadelphia. It's always, or at least it should be, a grudge match. Both teams should give a damn about beating the other. I don't know what to think about the Cowboys after they apparently didn't give a damn when they were facing one of their other top rivals last week in Washington. Nine-point favorites are the Eagles. The line has moved from 7.5 to 9. Andy Dalton didn't practice Wednesday. It may be Ben DiNucci, and I think if I had to guess, I'd say it will be Ben DiNucci at quarterback on Sunday night. That's not good news for the Cowboys. Chris, how many points did the Eagles win by? 14, you know, at the least. I, I mean, I feel like, I don't know. I don't want to say at the least. I don't say that. I don't want to say that. The Cowboys stink. And, you know, the Eagles, as far as their offense, I mean, it's nothing special. I mean, it's not. It's lack of weapons. It's lack of one any area that you go is great. But Carson Wentz still is a playmaker, and they still have a decent system to where they'll be able to pick apart this crappy defense, let alone even the Eagles should be able to run against this football team too. So I just look at it that way and go, yeah, it might not be big plays and just blowing the Cowboys' defense off the field, but it would be like, you know, just slowly but surely, Wentz will pick them apart and scramble and then extend a play and make it happen that way. And I just can't see, again, on the other side of the ball, the Cowboys offense, they might make a play or two because the Eagles will play man-to-man and probably leave Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup one-on-one for a few chances to CeeDee Lamb to make a big pass play. But ultimately, the Eagles defense is the better unit. The Cowboys are not a balanced football team anymore. They can't rely on the run at all. And I just think that all favors the Eagles. Their pass rush will tee off, all of that. So I go Eagles 24-10. to I mean, think about how much or how little time Ben DiNucci's had to practice this year. No offseason program. It was Dak Prescott. It was Andy Dalton. And and this is what you get. Hey, Cowboys, uh, and uh, no, no disrespect intended to Ben DiNucci, but, you know, when there are other veteran quarterbacks out there that would be better options to a Ben DiNucci and you refuse to consider them because you disagree with things that they've done on the sidelines before games, you get what you deserve and you get Ben DiNucci for a primetime game and you get a loss 27 to 10 is the score I've selected the Eagles are I think far more competitive than the Cowboys this year the Eagles haven't been blown off the field lately the Cowboys have looked like crap it's an embarrassment frankly to the star and I don't think they know how to fix it and they better figure out how to fix it or as we noted yesterday when we went game by game through the schedule two and five is going to become three and thirteen Maybe even two and fourteen. Maybe they're going to be in the Trevor Lawrence conversation before it's all said and done. But I don't like this Cowboys team. I don't like where they're going, and I think they lose by seventeen on Sunday night, Chris. Yeah, I'm with you. It, it just it's you know again we're we're I'm speculating by saying this and all that, but it just it, it looks like they're you know kind of just beaten down already. Just the way they handle so the way Mike McCarthy even seems in the press conferences, it already seems like wide-eyed, flustered. I'm on defense. Let me figure this out, and that's where yeah, I just I don't have any hope for the Cowboys either. All the more reason to be worried about the Cowboys players and coaches and other staff finding their way on the positive side of the COVID-19 ledger. And I mention that because there is news since we've been on the air taping this. We're not live, but the Giants have a player who's tested positive. They've sent all but four of their offensive linemen home, and now that's going to be a factor in, number one, will they be able to play on Monday night against the Buccaneers? I keep wanting to say Patriots because of Tom Brady. And number two, will they be ready? So let's lock in our bets on this game before the line moves, Chris. Buccaneers minus 10.5 before 
we find out the Giants may be down some guys for preparation purposes. We saw what happened last week when the Raiders were down some guys. I got the Bucks 38-16. Lock it in while it's still 10 and a half because I think it's going to be 14 before you know it. Yeah, well, I like that. Hey, the Giants defense, I think, can maybe make it a little tough on Brady and them for a little bit. But ultimately, there's just too many weapons there. But the, really, the big concern is the Giants offense versus the Bucks defense. I mean, that offensive line is going to get steamrolled by that Buccaneers defense, and they're very talented. I just don't know. I don't have any trust there. I'm going Bucks 31-17, and probably was nice to the Giants there. Probably should have gone 31-14, maybe even 31-10, but I'm going Bucks all the way. Yeah, all right. That's it for the games. When we return, our best bets for Week 8. PFTPM, Chris Sims on Button. We'll be back right after this. We've gone through all of the games out of 14 contests this weekend. Sims and I disagree on four. I've got the Steelers. He's got the Ravens. I've got the Browns. He's got the Raiders. I've got the Chargers. He's got the Broncos. I've got the Seahawks. He's got the 49ers. Now it's time for our best bets of the week. Chris, you go first. What do you got? Well, okay. I'm going to like full transparency. I got five that really like I'm, I'm torn. I know my three I'm going to go with. But, you know, I thought about the Titans over the Bengals. I don't trust the Titans pass defense. You know, I don't. So that's where I just can't I can't go. I think they win the game. I just don't know how much they win by. All right. The other one I thought about was Rams Dolphins, but I'm a little worried that the Dolphins and Brian Flores will make it real close and their defense will shut down McVeigh and Goff to where I'm just not sure sure how much the Rams win by. I guess I'm a little scared there. So my first one is I'm riding the points. I'm going with the Chiefs. Yes, I am. I know what the Chiefs are. I know they're a defense that can shut you down and make plays themselves, and yeah, the Jets stink. I mean, they have a hard time moving the ball against anybody, let alone the Chiefs' defense, and yeah, there's respect for that Jets' defense, but come on, this is the Chiefs' offense who's showing they can do a lot of different things now. So I got the Chiefs winning that one 27-6, and I think it'll probably be more. The first thing that I do when I look through the games and the lines, I look for something that just viscerally jumps off the page as this is out of whack. And for me... The first thing I saw that jumped on, and some weeks it doesn't happen. When it does, I grab it and I don't let go. Titans, only five-and-a-half-point favorites at Cincinnati. Are you kidding me? Now, I picked the score 27-20 just to be kind of nice to Joe Burrow because I'm a big Joe Burrow fan, but the Titans are covering that spread. Lock that one in. Watch now. The Bengals are going to win straight up. The Titans are covering that spread. Five-and-a-half. Bad spread, Vegas. Take the Titans and run. I, I, I know. I just chickened out. I just I get scared that Joe is going to throw the ball all over the place on them, and the game will be, you know, somewhat close, like the Vikings Titans game that shouldn't have been close earlier this year. That's I, I got scared. So good for you to have the guts to do it. All right, my next one. I'm going with the Saints over the Bears. It's only four and a half. I think this. I don't think there's any chance these Bears can move the ball consistently on the Saints. Like we've said, the Saints are one of the top ten defenses in football and yards allowed. They've let up big plays in every game. I just the Bears aren't capable of big plays. I don't think the offense is even going to challenge the Saints and some of their defensive rules to expose them that way. So because of that, I just think it's a slow, ugly, grinded out win for the Saints. Twenty-four thirteen. I'm riding with the Saints. 
I'm taking the Green Bay Packers, giving seven to the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings, in my estimation, have given up on the year, scholarship year. Maybe they never were all in on it anyway. It's a weird year. Everybody got paid. Next year is the year that they'll buckle down. And the Packers are not going to let up on the Vikings just because the Vikings aren't having an up year. They will pummel them every chance they get. I've got the Packers winning that game 34 to 17. The spread's only seven. Give me Green Bay. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's another one I thought about. I'm I'm just chicken. I'm chicken. I'm a, I'm scared of the Vikings and the run game and all that, and they might like just make it a little closer. So, man, I'm gonna be really pissed if you hit on those two and I chickened out and didn't do it. All right, I'm going with I'm going with Brady and the Bucks Monday Night Football. I mean, I am. Yeah, you know, it's I know the Giants have had a lot of extra time and all that. It's just not a good matchup for the Giants. the The, the Buccaneers are the best team in the NFC. I think they're only just going up. I don't think they're going to fall asleep at the wheel here with the Giants. The Giants offense, I can't imagine them having much life here against this Bucks defense that's awesome. And Brady and everybody, they're pretty much unstoppable. They can do whatever they want on a given week. So I have Bucks winning 31-17, and I'm going with them. You know what? I'm joining you. Last week, we had the first two spots on the slot machine where we matched. It was on the third one that we didn't. This week we match on number three. We both like the Buccaneers to win the game and cover. Should we have a backup game? Should in we case, have a fourth game in the event that they don't play Bucks Giants? What do you got? All right. If I have to do my backup game, I will go with Oh Thy Aaron Rodgers in there and pick that. If we can't, if the Giants come down with COVID and all that, I'm going with the Packers. My backup will be the Saints over the Bears. So we've got some overlap okay. in the event that the Buccaneers-Giants game does go away. So uh, that that's it. That's the best bets. We've gone through all 14 games. Enjoy week eight. Here's hoping, fingers crossed, they get all the games in and they can play that Buccaneers-Giants game. And then the Buccaneers get Antonio Brown the very next day in advance of week nine, Sunday Night Football. God bless you, Saints and Buccaneers. Thanks for some of your time. Check us out every weekday, whether it's PFTPM, PFT Live, Chris Sims Unbuttoned. We're with you all the time. See you next time. See ya. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.